we are in this campaign to win the Democratic nomination. That's what he says. You heard the man. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is The Bradcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast and 106.7 FM Queso in Cozy Cottage Grove. Uh, They're getting ready to vote there next week. Out in Pennsylvania on 93 FM WLRI in lovely Lancaster. Out in Hawaii on 88.5 FM, KAKU, the voice of Maui. In the swing state of Ohio on WGRN 94.1 FM in Columbus. Up in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950, KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And of course, coast to coast and around the globe. Streaming on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or not, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Nashville, Detour Talk in East Tennessee, and Blanketing Planet Earth. Five days a week on Radio Sputnik. You can run, but you can't hide from the broadcast as much as you might like to. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me. From bradblog.com, thank you for joining us for yet another post-election, post-primary episode of the Bradcast. And uh, boy, it's getting strange. It's getting late, obviously, in the uh, in the electoral process. Uh, and uh, and the results out of West Virginia on Tuesday night don't make it uh, make any of this any easier to make sense of, frankly. I'll get to that in a moment, uh, but uh, let me let me welcome. Let me say hello to Desi Doyen while I while I got you here. Hello. Be- before I get off and running on a tear on uh, on what the hell is is now going on in this election, and it is still going on. It is still going on. There remains a path for Bernie Sanders. Uh, to win the nomination, frankly, I don't want to give you any false hope, and we will uh, talk more about it as we uh, as we move forward today, and uh, probably in the in the coming days, as we're looking forward to more primary elections next week uh, in Oregon and on the Democratic side in Kentucky. But for now, all right, what happened last night? Let's get rid of the. Let's dispatch with the. Republican contests uh, right off the bat because those are easy in uh, in in Nebraska. Uh, they had a, a Republican primary where Donald Trump crushed the competition, such as there is any competition after Indiana's uh, primary election last week. As you know, Ted Cruz and John Kasich both jumped out, uh, clearing the way for Donald Trump, uh, who got 61 percent of the vote. In Nebraska yesterday, uh, Cruz came in with 18, Kasich with 11, even though they are not in the race anymore. They were still on the ballot. 
Uh, Donald Trump, therefore, picked up all of the uh, uh, 36 available delegates in Nebraska. And in Nebraska as well, the Democrats were on the ballot. And this led to a lot of confusion, actually, for folks last night. Yeah, I was really confused yeah. on Twitter. I saw all these people talking about the Democratic primary and what? Yeah. I thought they already had one. Exactly. Well, they did. They already had a caucus back in March. Uh, and this did lead to a lot of confusion, particularly when AP came out with their break news tweet that uh, Hillary Clinton wins the Nebraska primary and everybody's like, what? What the hell happened? All right, here's what actually happened in Nebraska, in case you're confused by this as well. In Nebraska, uh, yes, the Democrats caucused in March. They, however, uh, still remain on Nebraska's primary ballot for some reason. Uh, and uh, and that's what we saw the results of last night, despite the fact that neither of the candidates, to my knowledge, actually campaigned there for this primary. And uh, as I was watching, I think it was MSNBC last night, they were running this at the bottom of the uh, the, the screen uh, as if this was actually some sort of a contested race for the Democrats in Nebraska. It was not. There were zero delegates at stake. In March, March 5, uh, Bernie Sanders won 57 percent of the vote in the caucuses in Nebraska to Hillary Clinton's 42 percent. He took 15 of the delegates to Clinton's 10 delegates in Nebraska. In March. Oh, right. More than a month ago. Um, but nonetheless, they were still both on the ballot in Nebraska on Tuesday for whatever reason. There were some down ticket races that were on the ballot as well. Um, the uh, caucuses in March were for president only, so there was no delegates at stake in that new uh, in that Nebraska Democratic presidential primary. So it it is considered a beauty contest, and in that contest, reportedly Hillary Clinton was the winner. Well, she is prettier. Well, says you, but neither a <laughs> uh, candidate, to my knowledge, as I said, actually campaigned there. So it's really it's completely meaningless. But it did freak out. A lot of people have freaked out a lot of Bernie Sanders supporters. Dare I say they are easily freaked out. So uh, it's not a complete surprise. Um, but that it's sort of understandable. But that that an AP, frankly, should have made it clear that it was a meaningless primary that neither Clinton nor Sanders bothered to campaign. in. So that's what happened in Nebraska, in West Virginia. Uh, similarly, on the uh, Republican side, Trump crushed the competition, as expected, uh, since they all dropped out. Uh, so he won, uh, I think it's so far, 30 of the 34 delegates that are up for grabs as we go to air here today. They still uh, counting such as you can actually count the many of the 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen votes in the state of West Virginia. Uh, John Kasich may have picked up one delegate, but uh, that, too, is largely meaningless on the Republican side in West Virginia. At this point, Donald Trump is now only about 100 delegates short in the remaining GOP contest to formally clinch, formerly clinch the Republican presidential nomination with the uh, 1,237 delegates that would be needed on the first ballot to win the nomination. So that race uh, on the Republican side remains all but over. Meanwhile, on the Democratic side, the race is still on. 
it's difficult for Bernie Sanders uh, to catch up with the front runner Hillary Clinton, no doubt. But uh, uh, and, and and that's still very much on the race is still very much on, at least for Bernie Sanders and his supporters in the remaining primary states. Uh, as I said, next week, uh, Kentucky and Oregon, a couple weeks later, California, Montana, North and South Dakota, New Jersey, many of those states looking good, frankly, for Bernie Sanders, for whatever that means. And uh, Sanders was once again the big winner, the big winner of Tuesday night's primary in West Virginia, in the Mountain State. Uh, he took uh, about 51.5% of the vote. At least the reported vote from those uh, fantastic voting machines I talk about so much. Uh, 51.5% of the vote. Clinton took a little bit over 35.5% uh, of the vote. Therefore, it was Sanders over Clinton by more than 15, about 15.5 percentage points. Uh, quite the win, frankly, for Bernie Sanders. Overall, that translates to just a seven-delegate pickup, of course, because they apportion them uh, uh, proportionally. They give them out proportionally on the Democratic side. So Bernie Sanders won 18 delegates. Hillary Clinton won 11 delegates by the best current math. A seven-delegate pickup and still very long, if not yet impossible, odds for the Vermont senator against Hillary Clinton. She maintains a uh, delegate lead of uh, a pledged delegate lead, I should add, of some 276 pledged delegates. The superdelegates, the party insiders and elected officials and so forth, they have not cast their uh, vote. They will not cast their vote until we get to uh, the convention in July. And so that is one of the key places where things could change depending on how things go over the next couple of days. We'll be we'll be talking about that, as I said, uh, a little bit later in the show and, um, uh, well, in the coming days, no doubt. In his victory speech Tuesday night from Salem, Oregon, a state which uh, is going to hold its primary next week, and it's looking good there for Bernie Sanders. Uh, Bernie vowed to stay in the race through the end, through the upcoming primary states. And uh, rather than going after Hillary Clinton in his remarks, he instead focused like a laser on the presumptive Republican nominee. And let me be as clear as I can be. We are in this campaign to win the Democratic nomination. And we are going to fight for every last vote in Oregon, Kentucky, California, the Dakotas. Now we fully acknowledge, we are good in arithmetic, that we have an uphill climb ahead of us. But we are used to fighting uphill climbs. We have been fighting uphill from the first day of this campaign when people considered us a fringe candidacy. And our message 
to the Democratic delegates who will be assembling in Philadelphia is while we may have many disagreements with Secretary Clinton, there is one area we agree, and that is we must defeat Donald Trump. Trump is not going to become president for a number of reasons. Are you sure, Bernie? And the major reason is that the American people understand that we cannot have a president who has insulted Latinos and Mexicans. Who has insulted Muslims. who every day is insulting women in one way or another, who has insulted veterans like John McCain and others, who has insulted African-Americans in a very profound way. People sometimes forget that before Mr. Trump was running for president, he was one of the leaders of the so-called Bertha movement. And that movement was a very ugly effort to delegitimize the presidency of the first African-American president in our history. That was Bernie Sanders uh, at his victory rally last night in Salem, Oregon. Uh, In one noteworthy sense here, Tuesday night's primary election with open primaries on both the Republican and the Democratic sides and the first, very first primary race since Trump has all but clinched the Republican nomination and thus freeing up Republicans from uh, from feeling it necessary to vote in that race could arguably, in one sense, look more like the November contests than any of the primaries we've seen to date. On the other hand, looking at some of these uh, very bizarre exit poll result numbers coming in uh, along demographics lines, uh, some very strange results coming out of West Virginia, including nearly half of West Virginia Sanders backers would vote for Trump, at least if these exit polls are accurate. What? Huh? There's a lot of other strange stuff in these exit poll numbers uh, coming out of West Virginia, and I can think of no one better to help us make sense of it than Bob Kincaid, our old friend. We're going to take a quick break and come back with Bob and see if he can unravel any of this, uh, well, any of these oddities coming out of West Virginia and these uh, exit results, what they all mean, and more straight ahead on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Stay tuned. Hey, this is Brad. The 2016 election season is now at full throttle. Here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year round, like no other media outlet in the nation. But we need your support to keep doing so, now more than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate 
to make a monthly pledge of any amount you like to help keep us going, or even just a one-time-only contribution. While everyone else covers the horse race, we also keep our eyes on the track conditions those horses are running on. Because voting systems, access to the polls, and citizen oversight of election results can make all the difference. Please help us continue to fight independently for your democracy by taking about 60 seconds right now to stop by bradblog.com slash donate today. And thanks. Country road, saints, take me home to the place I belong, West Virginia, Mountain Mama, take me home. Yep. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman for bradblog.com. Looking at these results uh, coming out of West Virginia Tuesday night, the uh, presidential primary race on the Democratic side um, with some strange numbers, as I noted before the break, uh, in in one sense, with uh, Republicans freed up, no longer have to go to the vote, uh, go to the polls for Donald Trump. Uh, they could be free to vote in the uh, in the Democratic primary on Tuesday night in West Virginia. And uh, maybe they did do that. Does that tell us that they were trying to game the primary on the Democratic side or does it give us uh, give us an idea of what a November contest might look like uh, in, in the general election? With all of that in mind, as NBC News noted, West Virginia, like other southern and Appalachian states, is at the tail end of a long transition away from the Democratic Party, which once ruled the South, to the GOP, the natural ideological home of its conservative voters, says NBC. Democratic voters still technically outnumber Republicans nearly two to one in the mountain state, even though it hasn't voted for a Democratic presidential candidate in 20 years. Just over half of uh, about 51 percent of West Virginia voters are registered Democrats, while just 29 percent are registered Republicans. Another 18 percent or so are independents. A third of those who voted in West Virginia's Democratic primary say they plan to back Trump in November. That's according to NBC News exit polls. Sanders won those voters by a wide margin. Uh, In fact, they write 39 percent of Sanders voters said they would vote for Trump over Sanders in the fall. For Clinton, 9% of her voters said they plan to come out for Trump in the general election, according to NBC. Uh, the other networks, CBS and, and uh, ABC, saw similarly interesting results, let's say, from among the exit polling, uh, finding that nearly half of West Virginia uh, Sanders backers would vote for Trump. There were other interesting points from that exit polling uh, as well that could use some splaining. So just what the hell is going on in West Virginia? And can we read anything into it for the general election this November? Or is West Virginia simply an odd anomaly in the road to the White House? Uh, Well, to help me untangle this fine mess, I could think of no one better than our old friend Bob Kincaid. He is the co-founder of the Appalachian Community's Health Emergency Campaign. He's president of Coal River Mountain Watch. 
He's the host and creator of the Head On Radio Network, uh, and he's a longtime leader in the fight against mountaintop removal coal mining and the horrors that accompany it in West Virginia coal country. And uh, and uh, he's also, uh, what, a, a third or fourth generation West Virginian at this point, Bob? Uh, Ninth. N- really? Ninth generation? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my... One of my multi-great-grandfathers was the first white settler on the Meadow River in West Virginia. So. Oh, so so you and your family are to blame. I understand now. Welcome back to the broadcast, my friend. Uh, great to have you here. All right. Uh, so uh, help me uh, decode these uh, the pretty huge numbers of Democrats who are ready to vote in November. There's a lot that I don't understand about what happened in West Virginia. So uh, hopefully you can help me make sense of it. What the, These Democrats who are, are ready to vote for Trump in November and not just uh, voters who voted for Hillary, um, but voters who voted for Sanders say they're ready to vote for Trump. So what's going on there? Are these uh, Democrats who actually like Donald Trump, or are these Democrats that despise Hillary so much they are willing to uh, to, to vote for the Donald in the fall? What, uh, help me. I would it's say it's, I would say it's more of the latter than the former. Brad, uh, you have to understand the degree to which Hillary Clinton really, really, really. You know, she didn't. She stuck her foot in her mouth mm-hmm. with the uh, "we're going to put a lot of coal workers out of work" uh, remark. Right. Uh, and and then we sort of waited around to see how she was going to get the other foot in there with it, <laughs> and she did because she followed up in in trying to uh, take the sting out of her remarks by repeatedly referring to people who uh, have been harmed in this in this state as those people, those people. Mm-hmm. Now, to be fair, Donald Trump showed up at a uh, at a, at a coal rally. And uh, and called the people who came there to fawn over him, you people, you people. Right. Uh, but but that 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 phrase is freighted, and we I think we know that it's toxic. So so that that's a part of it. But I you know as the as the report uh, that you cited noted, uh, there's a two to one registration differential here between Democrats and Republicans. But we also have a semi open primary. Mm-hmm. It's not so open that that you can just vote willy nilly, but you can uh, you you can you can choose you can choose whose primary you want to vote in. Right. And I can tell you that in West Virginia, um, my Democratic primary ballot was one was one one ballot front and back. The Republican ballot was three ballots front and back. In other words, six pages. Right. And that's mo- that's mostly six pages of people nobody had any idea who they were. And and that's to be clear, that's that's delegates, right? Those aren't down ticket races. Those are delegates. The uh, well, I mean, Republicans. some of, some of some of it's down ticket, but a lot of it was delegate. So the Republicans uh, force their voters, instead of voting for the actual candidate, they've got to go through and vote for all of the delegates for that candidate, correct? Right. And, 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 what, and yeah. what's more, what's more, uh, when he was here in West Virginia this past Thursday, uh, Donald Trump told the assembled faithful in Charleston, don't bother voting. Right. Now, I've, I've, heard, I've, I've heard candidates say a lot of things, but, but don't vote uh, was... Not one of them. That was sort of astounding. So, what does that mean, so, Bob Kincaid? You got this long Republican ballot. You got the, the the presumptive nominee telling people don't vote. How did that affect what happened? Are, are you saying this all pushed uh, otherwise Republican voters over to the Democratic race? I, I think that's part of it, and I also think that part of it is that this is this is one of the old uh, in terms of an aggregate, Brad. Mm-hmm. This is one of the oldest states in the union. Right. I don't make any bones about it. I'm 53 years old. Mm-hmm. 
And so my grandmother was born in 1894. My parents were children of the Depression. I was, I was raised on the, po- the policies and politics of the old Democratic Party that was pro-worker, uh, uh, pro-union, and, 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 and sort of shaped by the, uh, the, the, the New Deal policies of FDR. Right. So I, th- so I think there's also something operating in West Virginia where uh, Democrats, progressive Democrats, are the kind of progressive Democrats who remember the progressive policies that literally saved their ancestors from starvation. Right. So I think that's a part of it as well. And that would, well, that would, that would lead voters, one would think, Democratic voters, to support Bernie Sanders, uh, who has sort of that uh, uh, New Deal glow about him. Uh, and yet you see a bigger uh, number of Sanders supporters who say they're ready to vote for Donald Trump in the fall. So do we have to sort of combine? Is this a little of, of is this sort of all of the above at work in West Virginia? Well, it, it is, and it's sort of a hybrid, too, because uh, as you were as you were uh, sharing some of the details from some of the uh, the polling data, mm-hmm. I, I, I wasn't sure if I understood you correctly. People who voted for Sanders say they'll vote for Trump against Hillary. Uh, no, that's what that's one of the many mysteries here that caught my eye. I, at least if these exit polls, you know, can be trusted. Uh, NBC News, uh, they say that thirty nine percent of Sanders voters say they would vote for Trump over Sanders in the fall. And for Clinton, just 9% of her voters say they plan to come out for Trump in the general election. So 40% of Sanders voters are going to vote for Trump over uh, Sanders? You know, well, then that, that I would, maybe, maybe it won't hold up statistically, Brad, but I would suggest that those are the people who, those are the people who crossed over and voted in the Democratic primary that Donald Trump told, you know, they didn't need to vote for him. I got you. Well, without that, uh, that we're talking about uh, 40 percent of Sanders voters. Uh, the race is a lot closer uh, between Sanders and Hillary, I, I, I suppose, with uh, right now he's about 15 uh, percent up from uh, up from Hillary. That, I guess, would be a lot tighter had not Trump uh, had not Trump sent his voters essentially over to the Democratic side again, if we can. Trust these exit poll numbers. It's well. The, the, the other the other thing yeah. is that there are, there were there were very serious down ballot races here as well. Okay. You know we've got we've got our first uh, Republican legislature in eighty three years here, mm. and they have they have wreaked absolute havoc in the two years that they've been able to hold sessions. In fact, this last one, they couldn't even be bothered to uh, you know pass a budget, which is what legislatures sort of have to do. Right. It's really the only thing they have to do. Right. Uh, and 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 the the Republican legislature couldn't pass a budget, so there is some backlash, and and so there there could be there could be people who wanted to vote for Trump, but were registered Democrats. Who do you see what I'm saying? I, I think I do. I mean, you're saying well. For one, I, I mentioned that statistic that you've got uh, two to one registration, essentially Democrats to Republicans, even though those Democrats aren't really Democrats in that uh, the state consistently goes to Republicans for, what, the past 20 years uh, in, in state races, well, at least in presidential races. Uh, is, is that accurate? Yeah, and, and we, only, we only lost our congressional majority in the Democratic Party in the last couple of elections. So 
it is a it's a it's a pinking state uh, no doubt no doubt about it uh, if we're not full on blood red yet but a lot a, a lot of this uh, you know there's the, there's local politics and then there's state politics and there's national politics mm-hmm. uh so i think i think you you what you're seeing is a mix of that and frankly the 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 coal issue is not in in it's it's not um well it is a considerable part of this process because you've got a lot of people in West Virginia who will clutch at any straw even though the coal industry does not wield the power that it once wielded uh-huh. uh, it's like um, oh I don't know uh, the, the how the British get all misty-eyed about the coin <laughs> right okay um, we we get misty-eyed about about you know how we bled and died in the coal mines right I, I don't uh, I honor and I and and I revere my ancestors and all those people who worked with them, who had nothing that they uh, who were reduced to being able to do nothing with their lives except except sacrifice themselves for millionaires and billionaires outside the state. But the the, the openly anti coal rhetoric uh, that comes from our side, and of which I'm a practitioner, uh, puts a lot of people off. Mm-hmm. You know, they, I mean, it's my reality. Is to be confronted by people who say, "You tree hugger, and why don't you freeze to death in the dark?" Right. Well, let me let, let's focus on that for a second because I wonder if it has uh, national implications. Actually, uh, above and beyond West Virginia, you mentioned those comments by Hillary Clinton. I want to play. Let me play that. Uh, what she said in sort of its full context, and then I'll and then I'll play you the clip of just how it was uh, played over and over for voters in West Virginia. Because I'm wondering if this will also have a similar. Uh, uh, resonating effect in other coal states in Pennsylvania, in Ohio, and Kentucky well, that uh, Kentucky, Kentucky that votes next week. Yeah, yeah, Kentucky next week. All right, let me let me play that. Uh, if you haven't heard it, here was uh, Hillary Clinton's uh, recent comments. I think these were in West Virginia. Is that right, uh, Bob? Or actually, no, they were made at a town hall. I think uh, that was run by CNN in Ohio. Okay, in Ohio. In okay, uh, he- here's uh, the full context of uh, Hillary Clinton's statement. I'm the only candidate which has a policy about how to bring economic opportunity using clean renewable energy as the key into coal country because we're going to put a lot of coal miners and coal companies out of business right Tim and we're going to make it clear that we don't want to forget those people those people labored in those mines for generations losing their health often losing their lives to turn on our lights and power our factories now we've got to move away from coal and all the other fossil fuels but i don't want to move away from the people who did the best they could to produce the energy that we relied on. That was Hillary Clinton, and uh, it sounds like a reasonable uh, uh, sort of statement talking about finding ways, and she has put forward a plan, I think a, a $3 trillion plan or something, or $30 billion plan, uh, to uh, put those coal workers uh, to work in renewable energy jobs and so forth. Uh, and yet, here is the way I think a lot of folks in West Virginia uh, and probably next week in Kentucky, actually heard those comments from Hillary Clinton. We're going to put a lot of coal miners and coal companies out of business. Is that the way uh, folks heard it out in West Virginia? Uh, uh, time after time after time and ad after ad after ad, absolutely. Who was running those ads? Uh, that wasn't Bernie Sanders running that. No, 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 no. Th- those were run, uh, at, uh, some of them, a lot of them were run in a nonpartisan 
judicial election. Uh-huh. Uh, nonpartisan. A nonpartisan judicial election? Why were they running? For a, for a Supreme Court justice. Who, who they were trying to tie to Hillary Clinton. She was trying to smear her Democrat, her her. She was trying to smear her nonpartisan opponents uh-huh. uh, by by showing by by sort of waving the bloody shirt, if you will. Okay. Well, this week uh, we saw new polling from Quinnipiac uh, suggesting big trouble for uh, Hillary Clinton in in three uh, key swing states in Florida, Pennsylvania, and Ohio. Uh, A statistical dead heat essentially in Florida and Pennsylvania with Hillary Clinton losing by several points in the swing state of Ohio. Bernie Sanders is doing better in each of those, winning Ohio uh, fairly handily. So do those concerns about Clinton in West Virginia that were that you say were played over and over again for not even in the presidential race, um, do, do those concerns uh, and the use of those comments taken out of context as they are also extend to places like Pennsylvania and Ohio, both have big coal industries, and then, of course, uh, well, for Pennsylvania and Ohio in the general, and then Kentucky, Next week, which holds its Democratic it's primary, going to be yeah, it's going to be a big deal in Kentucky next week. The thing is, though, Kentucky has more than its coal industry. Kentucky has a far more diversified economy mm-hmm. than simply coal. But she's going to get her uh, her her fundament handed to her <laughs> uh, in eastern Kentucky. There's no doubt about it. But the, the but of course, uh, Trump voters will come out in much higher numbers as well there. But you raise, you raise a larger issue, and, and, and I'm not proud of this, Brad, but I've gone on record as saying I fully expect her to lose in November if she's the nominee. Not, not just West Virginia. You expect her to lose nationally if she's the nominee. Yes. She's a terrible candidate. She's an awful campaigner. Uh, in, in some ways, uh, she and, and I don't like saying this, Brad. That's okay. Say what I you want feel. A, I, want a dem- I want a Democrat in the White House. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a grown-up politically. I know that I want a pony is not on the ballot. <laughs> but she is a terrible, tone-deaf campaigner. And she's an awful candidate. And, she, and, and, and she's, got, uh, uh, she's got 25 years' worth of real and imagined baggage and a uh, 25-year-old Republican-funded filth machine that runs on 200-proof pure hate that is humming along on 64 valves, okay? I mean, this is a huge engine of power that is going to be deployed against her because I don't believe, you know, Paul Ryan can play footsie about, oh, I don't know if I can support Trump. Yeah, he's going to support Trump. They're all going to support Trump because that's what Republicans do. Republicans support Republicans, okay? And I'm scared to death that she's going to lose, even though I think, I think the plan was for Trump to be sort of a training wheels opponent for her. Because obviously she couldn't she couldn't win a primary against a, a political newcomer like Barack Obama, and she probably would have lost against John McCain had she been in the no, been the nominee in two thousand eight. Will Bernie Sanders have any better luck against that machine you talk about if he somehow is able to to pull off a miracle and win the nomination? I think so. I think so. Because all you've got on Bernie Sanders is is for is for a bunch of uh, red baiting yahoos to holler commie. Right, but the fact, but the fact of the matter is, uh, when uh, you know every every recipient of Medicare who's able to go to the doctor is a socialist. Pull that social security card out of your wallet. Hello, socialist. <laughs> well, I, uh, Bob, and I that's got... easy. That's easy messaging. 
Bob, I got to uh, get out here. So let me just leave you with, uh, well, this this multi-part exit question on the way out the door. Uh A, will there be any difference in the way that West Virginia goes this fall based on who the nominee actually is, uh, Bernie or Hillary? And presumably at this point, it'll be Hillary. uh, Or will West Virginia just go Republican as it has for the past 20 years? And then finally, do you take anything from these West Virginia numbers that might somehow extrapolate to the to the national electorate at large uh, this November? Well, I'll answer the last one first, Brad. Okay. Yeah, if Bernie's the nominee, we got a lot better chance. That that I, I think that's I think that's plain and simple. Mm-hmm. As to what will happen in November, if Hillary is the Democratic nominee in West Virginia, uh, she's she's going to get stomped. Mm-hmm. It's not even going to be close. And and if Bernie is the nominee in West Virginia, uh, I think I think the numbers are a lot closer. A lot closer, but still likely to go Republican, given it's probably likely history. to go probably likely to go Trump. And it's a pity we're out of time because I'd love to talk to you about our brand new nominee for Democratic nominee for governor here in West Virginia, a uh, mountaintop blowing up coal billionaire who's poisoned people to make his wealth. This is the uh, go ahead. Give me the uh, minute long uh, elevator this is, pitch. This is yeah, this is Jim Justice, right? Uh, a billion a billionaire who may actually be wealthier than Trump in terms of actual liquid cash, right? And he's the Democratic nominee? Uh, yes, he is. And when he goes around telling his origin story about why, he's, uh, about, about why he is uh, uh, so rich, he says it's because God told him he made him Jim Justice and not Kunta Kinte. Re- he, that's what he says? It is. And the guy's name is Jim Justice, and he says he's not Kunta Kinte. The Democratic right. governor, the Democratic nominee. He's now, I guess, the nominee for uh, for governor yeah, in yeah, West yeah. Virginia. And and you know it's going to be real embarrassing for the West Virginia Democratic Party uh, when when wow. that when that when that when that big old billionaire comes out and endorses Donald Trump. Holy mackerel! Uh, is he really going to endorse Donald Trump? You think he's going to endorse Hillary? Boy, he's campaigned on he's campaigned on a slogan of Jim Justice. He refers to himself in the third person. Yeah. Jim Justice ain't going to give up on coal. Jobs, jobs, jobs. Wow. Uh, Boy, uh, uh, Bob Kincaid, you have made a mess out of your state of West Virginia over the past nine generations. Good work. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we never give up. (laughs) Bob Kincaid, uh, check him out uh, every day on the Head On Radio Network, headonradionetwork.com, and, of course, over on the Twitters at Bob Kincaid. That's Bob, K-I-N-C-A-I-D. Bob, uh, always helpful talking to you. Uh, I suspect we'll be doing again uh, soon before this entire mess is all said and done. Well, I hope we are, Brad, because I want to talk to you about that plan to rejuvenate Appalachia with all those green jobs. Uh, that would be a nice idea, and we will do exactly that. So I will look forward to it. Uh, thank you, Bob, uh, for everything. Good luck out there, uh, especially fighting against Jim Justice for governor, brother. Oi. Oi. Thank you, Bob. Thanks, Brad. You bet. All right. Uh, looking at this. Uh uh, race. Uh, West Virginia was a tough state for Clinton demographically. Whites accounted for nine in 10 primary voters in preliminary exit polls, far above the 61 percent that they've averaged across the 2016 Democratic primaries. This is according to ABC News. Um So Clinton did worse among whites in West Virginia than her even split with Sanders so far in uh, in previous contests. So she lost to uh, to whites. 
Uh, also, women. Women have outnumbered men by 58-42 in previous contests, which has given a big boost to Clinton. But in West Virginia, the advantage in turnout among women was smaller, and Sanders outperformed his usual numbers among women, winning them 52 to 38 percent. So uh, so he did well among women as well there. And then uh, they add com- uh, completing the demographics trifecta in West Virginia, political independence, political independence accounted for a third of voters in West Virginia in the uh, in the exit poll results. That is well above the average to date which is 22 percent. And Sanders took six in 10 of these voters, 60 percent of the independent voters. Now, again, we don't know. It could be they just absolutely hate Hillary there. But the argument that Bernie Sanders has been making is that he would do a better job against Donald Trump because he's more likely to pull those independents over to his side in the general election. But it's a mess. Uh, what do they say? Uh, ten, uh, nearly three in ten wanted more of uh, these are the p- uh, people who voted for the Democrats. Um, three in ten want more liberal policies than they have now. And yet four in ten wanted less liberal policies than they have now. And yet they voted for Bernie Sanders. Uh, so c- clear as mud, frankly. Uh, but what is becoming clearer Uh, Are the odds of uh, Donald Trump against the Democratic candidate in the fall? That Democratic candidate believed by many to be uh, Hillary Clinton, and it may well be. But uh, some more disturbing polling is out today uh, nationally that uh, shows Trump is uh, catching up to Clinton in the polls nationally. We'll have that after this break. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your broadcast. I got my mind set on you. I got my mind set on you. I got my mind set on you. Got my mind set on you. But it's gonna take money. Yeah. A whole lot of spending money. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Do Democrats have their minds set on Hillary Clinton? We know that uh, Republicans have their minds set on Donald Trump, it seems. And uh, the party is, as I also predicted to you, now coalescing around uh, around Donald Trump, as I said that they would. And uh, there are there continue. I know I've been uh, whining about this and and yelling and screaming at you about this over the past, well, days, weeks uh, that uh, be careful what you wish for Democrats. We had so we had a poll yesterday, a new poll out from Quinnipiac University, uh, top notch uh, polling outfit, frankly, showing that uh, Clinton and Trump are now in dead heats in three king, uh, key swing states in Florida, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. I ref- referenced that earlier uh, as I was talking with Bob Kincaid. Uh, in Ohio, she is losing to Donald Trump by four points. Now, I said that uh, Sanders was actually beating Trump handily in that state. and in, in fact, I'm wrong about that. He's beating Trump by two points. So she's losing to him by four points. He's beating Donald Trump in Ohio in this uh, Quinnipiac poll by two points. So he's not beating 
Trump handily, but it is a six-point swing, essentially, from where Hillary Clinton is in that key state of Ohio. The Democrats need to win, uh, or at least they need to win Florida and Pennsylvania. And in Florida and in Pennsylvania, this polling shows that uh, Clinton is up over Trump by just one point in each of those two states. Sanders is up by two points in Florida, and he's up six points over Donald Trump in Pennsylvania. So those are those uh, the state polls. Also, I believe it was yesterday I talked to you about this national poll from PPP that is just out showing that uh, Hillary Clinton is beating Donald Trump nationally by four points, whereas Bernie Sanders is beating Donald Trump by 10 points nationally, consistent with what we've seen in in many of these national polls so far. But we don't run national elections. We run state by state elections. That's why the Florida, Ohio, Pennsylvania numbers are uh, are so key here. But Americans love these national polls. Okay, you love these national polls. Here's one for you. <laughs> this uh, comes to a uh, from a Reuters Ipsos poll released today. And again, this is not an outlier. This is not a fringy poll. This is Reuters Ipsos. Uh, this is a, a, a respected pollster. Presumptive GOP nominee Donald Trump's support among likely national voters has surged so much so that he has now nearly closed a 13-point gap with Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton, according to this new poll. The poll shows that 40% of likely voters supported Trump and 41% supported Clinton. Of those surveyed, 19% said that they were unsure as to who they'd support. Clinton had led Trump by about 13 points just last week. In last week's iteration of the same Reuters Ipsos poll. So that gap closed 13 points in a single week. That week is the week that uh, Donald Trump won the Indiana primary and Ted Cruz and John Kasich dropped out of the race. When they dropped out, boom, everyone went over. All those Republicans went over to Donald Trump so that it is now an absolute dead heat between Clinton and Trump. She has just a one-point lead in this poll, uh, 3% margin of error in this poll. So, A lot can happen in six months, obviously, but but that's very, very, very troubling to me to hear that, uh, that there's a significant portion of Americans who would... It seems to me they must be putting party over country in order to favor Donald Trump as their presidential candidate when so many of his positions are just downright bonkers. Don't know. Don't know what the you know what the reasons are. But those people I've been warning for months, those Democrats who are gleeful about Donald Trump. And I've been saying, be careful what you for more than for the past year. I've been saying, hey, Democrats, be careful what you wish for. The poll also finds uh, Trump and Clinton both have much to prove to the American electric. Uh, The poll found earlier this month that a majority of voters did not trust either of those two candidates with key presidential responsibilities, such as managing the U.S. economy, handling the role of U.S. commander in chief and conducting themselves according to a, quote, high moral standard. The candidate's choice of running mates could also turn out to be important. Voters surveyed in the poll said they would be more likely to support Clinton if her choice for vice president was a liberal 
while Trump would help his chances if he picked someone experienced in politics and someone who is consistently conservative. So far, the reporting that we have on this is that he has narrowed it down uh, to five or six uh supposedly experienced politicians. We don't know who they are yet, but that's what has been reported. Uh, and I don't think this poll, at least as Reuters is reporting it today, um, can't tell. They don't mention it uh, in in, uh, in this version, uh, whether uh, they polled uh, how Bernie Sanders does against Donald Trump. Well, I'm but, glad to hear, at least for likely uh, Republican voters, that they do think that they'll vote more, be more likely to vote for him if he chooses somebody who actually understands how government works. Since clearly Trump does not. Well, he understands how politics works. Yes. And uh, there's a question of whether Hillary Clinton understands how politics. There's a question whether Democratic voters understand how politics work. You know, if they did, I think they would be perhaps voting in larger numbers for Bernie Sanders. At least, well, you know what? They are now. They are now voting in large numbers for him. Um too little, too late, very likely. But we will see. There's more ahead. All right, I want to hit. There was a couple of stories uh, that I want to follow up on uh, that we talked about uh, over the past few days as well. Uh, one is the uh, North Carolina, this so-called bathroom law, this uh, HB2. We spoke a couple of days ago with uh, North Carolina State Representative Chris Scro about this uh, this terrible law. Uh, this transphobic bathroom bill, as it's being referred to. It's an anti-LGBT law, is what it is. In any event, uh, what uh, Chris Grove pointed out was that this is the party, the Republican Party in North Carolina, who pretends to be conservative, speaking of conservatives, uh, is anything but. They have the, the new state law makes it illegal for small government uh, towns and cities to create their own anti-discrimination law uh, and it, it gets into well I mean it really gets into the weeds here's how uh, Chris Scro uh, described it being anything but small government conservatism you know we've suffered a half billion dollars in economic revenue loss already uh, and we've only been in this for 50 days these are this, this is not pro-business conservatism this bill wasn't about uh, en en uh, enabling local government they went in and they, they were the big government who stripped local rights, and they are the anti-business party right now. Mm -hmm. If they really want to be pro-business, pro-growth, they're going to act as quickly as possible to overturn House Bill 2. That's the only answer at this point. Uh, and over 200 businesses have spoken out in favor of repeal already. Yeah, so, so much for the Republicans being pro-business, pro-small government. Well, now the uh, the state voters are apparently having second thoughts on those people that are costing their state's economy with that uh, transphobic bathroom bill. As uh, Ross Story notes, GOP lawmakers are now frustrated as North Carolina continues to lose the PR battle over HB2. Politico reports that the reality is that HB2 hurts the state. According to State Rep. Charles Jeter, the Republican leader tasked with keeping the majority in state government in North Carolina in 2016, he said, it doesn't matter that I'm opposed to it or that I've called for it to, for its repeal because the mailers, because the mailer to voters in my race is going to say that I was part of the Republican majority that passed the most discriminatory bill in the state. HB2 is going to have reverberations for our party no matter what we do in November and probably beyond that. 
This is a Republican leader of the uh, of the North Carolina State House. The party of, quote, small government has quickly become the annoying hall monitor who decides who gets to use the bathroom and who doesn't. A Republican strategist thinks the uh, legislative majority of Republicans may have pushed the state too far. May have, you think? And now voters want the pendulum to swing back. The strategist said that the question will be answered in November. As far as whether the Republicans in the General Assembly overplayed their hands after feeling empowered by the impressive gains in the last three election cycles. Republicans could lose their veto-proof majority in one or both, one or both legislative chambers in North Carolina with a cloud of uncertainty surrounding the governor's race. And yes, Governor Pat McCrory, who refused to block the bill, who signed the bill, who's now fighting to uphold the bill, he is in a re-election battle of his own. His opponent is the Democratic Attorney General, Roy Cooper, who has refused to fight to uh, to protect that legislation. McCrory's net approval rating is plummeting. It is now at negative 4%. Cooper has gained 28% since all of this has happened. Much of that support is coming from white conservative voters, too, apparently, according to WRAL-TV in Raleigh. He already... Uh, uh, Cooper already has a lock on African-American voters who support him by eight to one. But he's getting a lot of support now from white conservative voters in uh, in the wake of this, in the wake of this anything but small government bill. WRAL-TV finds that 50 percent of likely voters oppose the new law in North Carolina, whereas only 38 percent support it. And 61% of voters think that the law has hurt the state's image and ability to attract business nationally. Oh, do you think? All right, finally, uh, a follow-up here on what I had described as the dumbest story of the day. Des, you remember this a couple of days ago, the uh, 16 West Point cadets, the female African-American cadets uh, who are getting ready to graduate in a couple weeks. They put on their dress uniforms. They take these uh, these group pictures that they have taken uh, for decades now at West Point. Um, Well, there was complaints because they took their standard photo in their dress uniform. But in one of those photos, they raised a fist. They raised a fist. And uh, of course, Heads exploded across these United States. Oh, my God. What is it they're doing? It actually led to a U.S. Military Academy investigation uh, into that raised fist at that pre-graduation picture. Uh, as as some had incredibly complained that it was uh, inappropriate in violation of uh, of whatever the rules are. It's something for, about like yeah. political statements and all that. And all they were doing was holding up their fists in victory. Right. Of, Yay, we made it. We graduated. Well, well, and the complaints had said that this was somehow meant to be uh, to to show support for the Black Lives Matter movement because oh, they're all black. Well. It began an actual investigation, official investigation into this had to take place. And we've got some good news. Um, Those uh, those ladies will not be punished for that gesture. According to the U.S. Military Academy, the decision comes less than two weeks before the 16 female seniors are poised to graduate. 
The investigation found that they did not violate any U.S. Department of Defense rules limiting political activity. An internal inquiry, quote, found that the cadets did not pre-plan or set out to make a political statement. This according to West Point Superintendent Lieutenant General Robert uh, Lieutenant General Robert Caslin Jr., In a letter to the student body, he said, however, that it showed a, quote, lapse of awareness in how symbols and gestures gestures can be misinterpreted and cause division. And so they will get some instruction on that. I'm sure they will. Yes. Uh, The uh, the fist up image was circulated online. It led critics to question whether the women were expressing support for the Black Lives Matter movement, which grew out of protests over police killings of unarmed black men. Um, now, there is a policy against uh, politics in, you know, when you're in uniform, right. carrying out politics. Uh, but is supporting uh, the idea that uh, police killing unarmed black men is not a good thing? Is that a political uh, statement? If I'm if I'm against that, if I'm against police killing unarmed black men, that's a that's what we've come to in these United States. Uh, that's a political statement. That appears to be the case for at least the people who made the complaint <sighs> in the first place. Uh, it's just it's, it's amazing to me. Uh, defenders uh, said the women were simply celebrating their forthcoming graduation, something closer in spirit to a team lifting helmets uh, to celebrate a win. Well, I, 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 I'm so glad that they have been cleared of all wrongdoing, and I hope that someday this country will be worthy of them and what they've accomplished. The Essence magazine editor-in-chief Vanessa DeLuca asked in a Wall Street Journal op-ed, will there ever be a time when black women can unapologetically show that they are strong and proud and supportive of one another without their action being interpreted as an act of militant defiance? I hope so. And I hope so, too. Indeed, the uh, superintendent of uh, West Point said that uh, other cadets have used clenched fists to show support for a team or pride at serving their country. And so did he, he said, along with hundreds of West Point staffers and graduates on the night before last year's Army-Navy football game. But, of course, that did not lead to an official investigation. Only when the, uh, the black women do it. About 80 percent of cadets at West Point are men. About 70 percent are white. So you would think they would want to celebrate these women rather than attacking them. But you would be wrong if that's what you thought. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, uh, to our booking goddess, Cynthia Cohn, to West Virginia's own Bob Kincaid of the Head on Radio Network, headonradionetwork.com. And, of course, my thanks to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you've got any uh, thoughts you'd like to share with me, you can email them. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And you can find me on the Facebooks and the Twitters at thebradblog. Use hashtag bradcast. All right, I think that's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Hey.